Wandering Worlds with Shrey. Simpleton. Written by Brian Woodruff and Ian Morganheim. Narrated by Shreya Sukumar. So, what can you do? The blonde bartender with brunette root showing sipped her cocktail and leaned in further. Come on, no need to be shy, hun. Look, let me show you mine, and then you'll show me yours, all right? She slowly dipped her finger into the beer and looked up with a piercing gaze that demanded attention. Maxime was unmoved. Even as the liquid began to twist and twirl like a tiny alcoholic tornado, the amber whirlpool turned silently under its own power as the bartender's stare became a playful smile. Small miracles like this could no longer move the striking woman, her thirty-three years having refined her cynicism to a knife's edge. She shrugged at the bartender's grin, reached over, and with a tug, promptly pulled the finger out. Please, don't do that. Why not? It's fun, isn't it? Maxine responded by rubbing her eyes, not entirely sure what was going on. Now, tell me, stranger, what's your thing? Maxime shrugged. I can't do anything. Her disbelief gave way to disgust as Maxine watched the bartender, without the slightest shred of shame, lick her dripping finger. Do you make it a habit of going around finger-banging people's beverages? Maxime asked, pushing her beer away. Not the best way to keep customers, is it? Sheesh, I wouldn't have done it if I thought you'd bitch like this. Fun people get a kick out of it. She sighed off the debate. Look, just tell me what you do, all right? Maxime leaned forward. Nothing. Uh-huh, right. Nothing's not a thing, honey. Everyone here's got one. The bartender looked at her still drying finger, momentarily distracted, and furrowed her brow. Come on, it was perfectly clean. Slowly, carefully, and with a practiced motion, the bartender traced a simple heart on the bar top, then smiled innocently. Look, we got off to a bad start. I get that, but come on, look at this place. I'm bored. The bartender drew the word out with a smoky purr. Just let me in already. I bet you've got a neat trick, don't you? Maxime was rapidly losing her patience with the bartender. She tried a different tactic to restore the peace, old-fashioned awkward silence. Looking around, she hoped to catch the eye of someone nearby to drag into the spotlight. Her neck craned to scan the room and spotted the only other patrons sitting in the corner booth. The couple kept to themselves, eyes locked together, whispering under the hypnotic beat of a song from before. The turnout wasn't surprising, really. It wasn't a Friday or the weekend, and given the hands on the clock, well... Most people had better things to do than spend lunchtime hidden in a dive like this. Maxime didn't. Who was to say what the real time was, anyway? 
Could the clock really be trusted in a bar without a name? Maxime wasn't sure, and her watch was set to the last place she'd been, far and away. Frankly speaking, she wasn't even certain what day it was. Well? The bartender was growing impatient. Maxime was still looking around, following the logic behind the vintage decor that was all the rage when the bar had probably been built. The whole low-tech motif kept the latest and greatest crowd out, and that was still part of its appeal. Places like this gave surviving 30-somethings a chance to escape the city's uncertainty, to immerse themselves in the wood-paneled, poster-draped nostalgia of a time when the world was very different and much less weird. Simplicity was the key, the perfect stop for someone trying to forget what the world had become. Someone like Maxime. She looked towards the bartender, who still hadn't given up. Okay, fine. Let's see. Well, I'm not bad with computers. I can put together a real mean Excel spreadsheet if the pressure is on. I got pretty good at juggling, but that was back in my high school days. You know, before. She laughed in spite of herself, as she remembered pelting friends and family with dubiously coordinated beanbags. I'm pretty sure I could still juggle if the situation called for it. She paused. I'm not a bad cook, either. That's two. Do you have three talents? Humored at last, the bartender's eyes were pools of delight. Not talents, no. More like hobbies. Well, not Excel. That's for work. I mean, who the hell would call working on spreadsheets a hobby? They'd have to be crazy, right? Could be. So, you're not a technoton? She pretended to type. Nope. An acroton? She mimed a tiny backflip. No. How about a... Nothing. Like I said before, not a talented person, I guess. I really don't know what to tell you. What was your name again? Um, it's... Trista. She practically purred it out. Maxime nodded, glad to have introductions out of the way. All right, so, Trista, I'm getting the feeling there might be a bit of a miscommunication here. I'm not really into, uh, women? This didn't phase Trista half as much as Maxime hoped it would. Me either, but there's something about you. I felt it the second you walked in the door. She flashed a crooked but impeccably white smile. Hold on. Without looking down, Trista reached behind the bar and pulled out a fresh, frothy pint that swayed from side to side as it came to rest near its half-finished, abandoned predecessor. There. All better. No? I guess so. Still, I don't have a talent to impress you with. Trista winked. Not with that attitude, but maybe with a little push. We'll figure it out. Could it be that it just hasn't manifested yet? Or you might just not know what you can do. I've heard of that before. <sighs> I doubt it. I knew this one guy who lived in Washington State someplace where the NIFI network wasn't very strong, back before they set up the global metropolitan grid. He was like you, thought he didn't have anything special about him, then poof, 
Her hands went up and as wide as her expression. Suddenly, he had talent. Bet you can't guess what he could do. Maxime nodded and returned the bartender's smile, wondering whether this was a conversational technique or Trista actually expected her to guess. I'd bet you'd be right, Maxime said. Oh, come on, don't be boring. Just humor me for a while, and the beer's on the house. Maxime rolled her eyes. Fine. Give me a clue, at least. Nope. Just name off the weirdest talents you'd ever heard, and if you get close, I'll give you a little nudge in the right direction. She flashed that blinding smile again. Okay. Pyroton? Like, controls fire, or whatever. Maxime watched Trista smirk. What? Oh, come on. You can think of weirder stuff, can't you? Here, let me give you one example. She reached under the bar and placed it on the counter, cupping her hand over whatever it was so that Maxime couldn't see. So, I once had a guy who used to come in here. He would sit just over there. She pointed to a booth near the back of the bar where the lights were left on their dimmest settings. Same order every time. Beer and peanuts. Then, without saying much of anything, he'd go back there and watch the tube. Rugby matches, mostly. So the first time he did it, I almost lost my shit. I'd be over here serving a customer, and out of nowhere you'd hear this odd clunk sound. Like a, a golf club hitting the side of his favorite Mercedes when you find out there's another woman. <laughs> Trista held back for a second, her practice sweetness fraying for a moment. Kidding, still. Metal on metal. I thought something broke, so I walked over to investigate. And as I walked up, I saw him bite down on a peanut. Then, right there and then, poof, the peanut wasn't a peanut. It had turned into this itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, little no-entry sign. She lifted her hand to reveal exactly that. Now that was weird. Thing was, he didn't stop chewing on the peanuts. Apparently, he could still taste and chew them. But he didn't dare swallow. I think you can imagine why. <laughs> they might be no entry, but they'd make a terrible exit, if you know what I mean. She ducked below the bar and promptly came back up. Here. Trista held out another sign and handed it to Maxime. It was a two-centimeter-wide hexagonal sign with a white border, red background, and black lettering. Even the back had little bolt holes where you could have attached it to a signpost. The edges shined a brilliant chrome in the dull light. The signs looked, by all accounts, like they had been made by tiny people to guard tiny doors or private matchbox roads. Vague memories of reading Gulliver's Travels swirled in Maxime's head. With a well-placed ad, Maxime imagined that a Lilliputian merchant could make a decent living off of one of these things. Before the thought could be committed to long-term memory, it was gone, stolen away as Trista leaned in only inches from her face. Go ahead. Give it a smell, Trista smiled. Hesitant at first, Maxime obliged. 
Oh, weird. It still smells like peanuts. Right? I thought it was pretty cute, actually, so I kept them around. You know, a souvenir or what you call it. Objet de mémoire. I don't get out much, as you can imagine. Most of the people that come here are pretty much regulars. She paused. Until they aren't. So, I have a few things. Trinkets, videos, photographs, tiny no-entry signs, and all that. It's like my own museum of oddities. A way to remember them. Things you won't see again in a million years because those people don't come around anymore. I could show you later. It's in the back. You were asking me about the weirdest thing. I have to admit, this might well be it. Maxime continued, examining the sign. Right. Shoot. Okay, okay. I want you to guess what Ted... That's the guy's name. Could do. Trista smiled. Think weird, like really weird. Look, I don't really know. I'm not even a full beer in yet. Come on, guess. Fine, uh, whatever. Uh, could he make uh, bath bubbles turn into seahorses? Have you really met someone who can do that? No way. Though, that does sound adorable. No, just sounds weird. Yeah, it does. Her eyes considered it. All right. Could he uh, levitate if he was listening to the Radiohead song Creep? Maxime did, in fact, know someone who had this talent. But during one flight, the CD skipped when it should have started over. A grim testament to the hazards of off-brand consumer electronics. He fell from a height of 63 feet onto Highway 132 after getting off a bus and trying to swoop over a congested morning traffic jam. Nope, Trista said, missing out on one of Maxime's favorite stories. Well, could he talk to plants? Play... Music with cats? Turn himself turquoise? Did disco music come out of his ass when he farted? Walk through glass? Turn his voice into graffiti? Did he molt like a lizard or molt into lizards? I, I don't know, Trista. I, I give up. Clearly, this game of throwing out random half-imagined examples was exhausting Maxime beyond her capacity for afternoon whimsy. Trista, on the other hand, was having the time of her life. That's all right. At least you were trying this time. So this guy, Ted. Maxime let out an exasperated sigh. Yeah, Ted. He was in Washington State when all of a sudden he was standing naked next to his brother in Wisconsin. That's, yeah. You got me there. That's, that's weird. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about how he got there. Or why. Whatever. Let me finish. So he appeared next to his brother while he was mid-thrust in giving it to some bottled redhead in a motel room near their parents' place. The two of them were just a few years apart, but, well, you can imagine how they would have reacted. 
And that poor girl. They hadn't seen each other since Gensel announced Nifi's secondary effects. She thought for a second. I can't really remember his brother's name, anyway. For whatever reason, whenever Ted or his brother were being intimate with someone, blammo! The other brother would appear right there in the same room, not five feet from where the other, uh, finished. Now, the first few times it was pretty awkward, as you can imagine, but the two of them made it work. Saved a lot on traveling costs. Maxime hesitated. When he was intimate or any time? Well, you know the expression it takes two to tango? Well, as it turns out, it takes two to teleport. Anyway, so I met Ted one night and he explained that his brother needed a lift here and asked if I could lend him a hand, so to speak. <laughs> Weirdest pickup line I've ever heard, but, well, I thought this is just what I want to add to my little museum back there. She pointed again. I got the whole thing on tape. I could show you later, if you want. Ted turned out to be a really polite guy, proper gentleman and such. I miss him. She winked, though her eyes darkened for a moment. But unfortunately not his brother. He was a dick. She sighed, a little teary-eyed or just plain tired. Maxime didn't honestly care at that point. Thanks for the offer, but... I think I'm good. Your description was thorough. Oh, it's not pornographic or anything. More like an art piece, like the peanut signs. I'm sure it's great, but if you ask me to smell it, we're going to have a problem. Maxime sighed and went back to her beer. Trista had had enough. Sheesh, I'm just trying to be friendly. This place gets quieter every day. If you're going to be coming around, we might as well get to know each other, right? Mm-hmm. I guess. And then, realizing how she was acting, added, No, I'm sorry. That was uncalled for. I appreciate the beer and the stories, but I'm just having a bit of a rough time recently. Want to talk about it? Not really. There was a nice silence for a while, even though Trista was staring at her with an intensity of a star moments away from supernova. Finally incapable of containing herself, she broke it. That Nifi, eh? Who'd have thought it would fuck this place up so badly? I don't know. It's always been pretty fucked. Now we just have some extra distractions and a little more mystery. I sort of like it. That's a good attitude. Trista poured her another glass, as Maxime had finished hers some time during the Ted story. I don't know if I could keep myself positive if I turned out to be one of the only people that... I don't mean... Never mind. It's okay. Say it. She considered her next words. I wonder what it is that makes you immune to the knife I if you even are. I heard from this guy, Bill Lambert, he worked at Gensel, that it's impossible for people to be completely immune. No one can resist forever. Eventually, 
Everyone exposed to the signal is changed by it in some way or the other. I don't know what to tell you. I literally just drove here from... Trista clapped her hand suddenly. Ever think that that's what your talent is? What, being a simple... Trista cut her off with an abrupt, Don't use that word. Trista shook her head and chuckled. Sorry, old habit. I forget that it's not really a bad word anymore. I remember when people without powers got made fun of all the time. Even a stupid power like mine got me, well, a lot of awkward propositions at work. But maybe that's why I've lived so much longer than the others. The cooler the talent, the less time you get to use it. It's such a silly word anyway, Maxime added. Yeah, think of it this way. All of the rest of the people here, they get all these strange things they can do, right? Some of them are pretty cool, like the guy who predicts earthquakes or that girl who can cure diseases. You know, Saint What's-Her-Face. Then you have people like me. I can make beer spin. And even that's not guaranteed to please some people. I know it's at least kind of neat, but it's not like I can do it to a full bathtub or a, a swimming pool. Just a cup of beer. And only beer. Don't know why, but it gets me attention and tips, right? Maxime nodded. Now, if we leave the NIFI, what happens? Well, withdrawal. She smiled. That's a sweet way of calling it. Can we just call it what it is? What it really is? Maxime said nothing. Leaving the NIFI, well, we die. Trista's playfulness was gone. Now, people like you, well, you're different, ain't you? You can leave the NIFI grid any time. You don't need the signal. You can go anywhere. You can go out into nature. You can just go. We have to stay. We're, we're trapped, ain't we? Trapped in these fields, however long they bother to keep them up. How many people you reckon are like you? One in a million? Ten million? A hundred? Billions? Well, doesn't it? Doesn't that make you special, too? Maxime smiled a little and shrugged. Their game was over, and there wasn't much left for her to say. And we? Well, the NIFI doesn't let us live forever, does it? No, we're all dying. Some say only a few more years. A couple decades at tops. Then we're all gone and the world is left to people like you to clean up the mess we're all making. She waved goodbye to the twilight bar, now empty except for the two of them. When Nafa happened, this place was always full. We had to extend our hours to keep everyone happy. We had five bartenders back here, seven servers, five cooks, and a few busboys with a part-time runner for when we were really packed. Her waving hand stayed high and alert. Now... It's just me, cooking, cleaning, and taking out the garbage. Now it's just... The thought was interrupted. A couple walked in through the door at the back. 
The man raised his left hand in a chair and moved across the floor. He sat down and moved him back to the table. The woman behind him laughed and laughed. We're the ones that got the shaft for faster Netflix or whatever. So we might as well have some fun in the meantime. Don't take that away from us. You already have the rest. It seemed clear that long after the rest of the world, from mountaintop settlements to the floating cities, and even to the corporate orbitals had moved on, those that remained would still be fighting shadows at noon. They were making the most of what had been forced upon them. Everyone had lost someone, people they had loved from the time before. Trista lifted the warm pint she'd demonstrated her power on to her lips. Cheers. Maxime raised her own glass, at a loss for what to toast. Cheers. There was a kinship between the two, something that existed beyond the circumstances of their brief meeting. Even if things had been different, Maxime and Trista might have been friends. They silently shared that recognition as their empty glasses found their ways back to the bar top. Maxime reached out and hugged the woman on the other side. You know, we're more alike than I was ready to admit. Tell you what, you can have this. Maxime handed over a slip of skin-colored paper and placed it on the tabletop between them. It immediately drew in the color around it like a chameleon. Wow, Trista said. I got it from a friend who, well, I, I'm sure you'll keep this safe. It means a lot to me. There won't be any more of these, you know? Maxime grinned, and Trista smiled back. As bubbly as the moment they first met, taking the card and placing it next to the no-entry sign, whose unmistakable coloration it mimicked perfectly. She turned to go, knowing she'd never come back this way. Not if tomorrow's meeting happened like it was supposed to. As the door swung shut, Trista had a flash from the time before. Family... Friends, things from an age long past. But as quickly as they had arrived, they were gone, replaced by the cold fact that time had little meaning here. Her people didn't live in the time before and had no part to play in what came next. Theirs was a world that only existed now. And in many ways, that made it all right. Thank you.